Super Talk Mississippi media production. Taylor Swift is coming to New Orleans, and Margaritaville Resort Biloxi and Super Talk are giving away a free pair of tickets. For your chance to win, go register now at Margaritaville Resort Biloxi and get your name in for the final drawing from Margaritaville and Super Talk 103.1. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You're tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from your Super Talk Mississippi app, and you can always find us, too, on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station, and you can watch good things. We are on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to Super Talk TV. And it's the season where it's out with the old and in with the new, and I'm talking about more alive porch plants, or at least it's just me that bought their mums over the weekend and showed the ferns to maybe their forever resting place. But joining us is one of my favorite horticulturists, Gary Bachman, to tell us how to keep these suckers alive this season. Hey, Gary. Hey, Rebecca. And listen, fall mums are really easy to take care of. You say that. (laughs) (laughs) I do say that, yes. (laughs) And that's why I got you on here to give us your tips and tricks because... You know, with the, but I will say this, Gary, I had two beautiful ferns in front of my front porch, like so many, and I really tried hard to keep them both alive through, you know, what felt like hell's armpit over the last couple of months. And one made it and one didn't. So I'm not really sure why the one gave up on life, but you know, such is life, right? Yeah. Well, listen, you're batting 50 50. You know, that's, you're way ahead of the game than a lot of other gardeners this summer because you're right. It was tough. It was tough. But I always yep. get excited when I go to my local nurseries and see that they've got their mums out. And it's usually at the beginning yep. of September. And whether it feels like fall or not, I am just going to summon the cooler weather by changing out my front porch decor, which always includes at least a pair of mums. So if we are sort of making that transition right now, Gary, and it is still hot, how do we take the best care of them possible? Okay, so, so here, it's, it's really easy, Rebecca. The biggest thing is not to let those mums dry out because the growers have grown those, so they're going to be blooming. So, so the flower buds are already there. If you let a mum dry out, what will happen is it will stop the flowering right then and there, and it will not come back. So the, so the biggest thing is consistent watering of those mums to make sure that they will stay flowering for you. So what does consistent mean, Gary? Does it is it every day? Is it once a week? How are we how are we talking about that? Okay, so so you're you're going to take the mums and not put them in the ground. You're going to, you know, grow them in that pot that the girl got from the nursery. And it's probably I'm going to say every couple days, watering that pot until water comes out the bottom. 
and, and that 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 way the pot will will be consistently moist. You know, if it stays hot like it, you know, like it, it's likely to. Maybe you have to water every day. So you just have but to be mindful. Keeping, you know, yeah, you have to be mindful. You have to watch the plant, and and don't wait for that mom to start kind of drooping. That you know that said, oh, it's a little dry. I need to water. If that happens, it's too late. It's going to stop flowering. So that's probably where I've gone wrong in the past, Gary, because I've always been told your plants will let you know when they need watering, which is a terrible way to sort of look at it. But I tend to overwater. So I feel like maybe in my mom's in past years, maybe that's what I did wrong. I waited too long for them to, you know, but like people, when you get when you feel thirsty, you've already started to get dehydrated. So we always tell people don't wait till you feel thirsty to drink water. Stay hydrated, you know, during those hot months. So, so mums are sort of more like people than we think. Absolutely. And it's kind of the difference between a plant that's flowering versus a plant that's green foliage. Green foliage plants, we can kind of let them get a little dry, and it's okay. But when plants are in flower, if they don't have that water, consistent watering, then they start shutting down. And the first thing that shuts down is a high, you know, energy part of that plant and that's the flower and that's the first thing to go is it a rule of thumb i mean well i guess there's always a rule of thumb but does it matter if you water in the morning before you go to work or in the afternoon when it comes to like our fall plants i would always water in the morning it's it's uh, it's it's, listen it's easier that way the plant if it's in a, you know, if it's going to be a hot day, it doesn't have to go through a hot day and maybe be a little dry. You kind of set the plant up for success by having it, like us, well hydrated, you know, at the start of the day, you know, to, to, to take on that hot day. Are there any other plants? Mom seems to be kind of king during the fall. Are there any other plants that don't get enough attention that can be easy to care for, beauty, beautiful additions to our front back porches or, or our yards during this time of year? Oh, absolutely. I am so glad you asked me this because I am a big fan of marigold in fall. And not a lot of growers have them in the fall. That there's There's more and more that offer them now in the fall, but you think of a marigold, they're yellows and oranges, you know, and kind of those rusty browns, which are kind of autumnal color. And in fact, it's an old tradition. I'm, I'm surprised that you don't know this. Now, I'm not calling you old, but it's an old southern tradition that, that marigolds in the fall are called marimums. Oh, I didn't know that. So will you grow them from seed, or do you buy them like annuals you would, your, your periwinkles and other things during the year, and then plant them in pots and put them places? You, you would buy those already growing at the, at the nursery right? because you would have to start. If you, want, if you want to start from seed, you start July 4th. So obviously we're Oops. way too late for that. <laughs> Oops. But, 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 but let the growers do it. And, in fact, marigolds, actually hold their color longer than fall mums. And so that's one of the reasons I like I like to promote marigolds in the fall of the year. I know a lot of folks too, Gary, right now are thinking about getting their bulbs in the ground. I know my mother in law yep. and everybody else are all talking about bulbs, bulb swaps, all the things. I think it's great. They're beautiful, but it's one of those things you can go, oops, 
and you missed out on it. Is it tulips right now we should be planting? Or what bulbs should we be planting right now if we're wanting to plant bulbs? Um, right now, in fact, if you're buying um, bulbs now, you could do uh, like the uh, like chorus, the prize lilies or the naked ladies. Those bulbs, we could plant those now. Tulip and daffodils, that's generally more of an October, end of October planting for us. But, but it's, it's great to be kind of thinking about those types of plants that you're going to plant later in the season. I love that, and it does feel like a Southern tradition, and I know old, uh, Southern women aren't the only ones who do it, but they take pride in their bulbs, and it becomes this whole community, and then they get to chit-chatting yeah. and sort of passing things around, and it's <laughs> it's the it's the sweetest thing um, uh, sort of ever. They become like these prized possessions that people enjoy also sort of sharing away. I mean, it doesn't matter what time of year it is, Gary, it feels like our plants and all sort of bring us together. It's something we all enjoy at least looking at if not growing oh absolutely and and you want to know some sharing pass along plants to your friends and neighbors and family it it is a it's a wonderful tradition to get started are there any cut flowers that are big in the fall when you talk about sharing or being able to take to thanksgiving or we or is that more of a summer thing that's going to be more of a summer thing right now yeah you may be able to keep some zinnias going, you know, as we get later into the season. I mean, zinnias are fantastic in October. You know, it's cooler weather. There, Zinnias are a great choice. If you can find zinnias in the, in the nurseries now as plants, plant them. You could also go ahead and plant some zinnia seeds and take a chance that you're going to have some nice ones towards the end of October. That, that could be a good project. They're predicting that it could be a rough winter. Should we take that into account of things that we're not going to put in a pot that we can bring in? Um, you want to know something? I grew up in the, the UP of Michigan. When we talk about rough weather in uh, Mississippi, <laughs> I, 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 I want to see that rough weather before, before I, re- I really start in September about what we're going to do here in the winter months. <laughs> Okay, fair enough, fair enough. At least we probably at least have worse summers than you did in Michigan. Would you give us that? Yeah, absolutely. But you want to know something? I'll take our summers here because we don't have to shovel snow. Uh, yes, most years. Most years. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I would not survive, and nor would probably my <laughs> my plants. But, Gary, you are a survivor of prostate cancer. You've got a wonderful challenge yes, on I your am. shirt. Will you stick with us and tell us a little bit about what you're what you're up to? Oh, absolutely. I'd be happy to do that. All right. We got more with Gary Bachman coming up next. afternoon just a little brighter it's good things with rebecca turner on super talk mississippi 
American girls and American guys will always stand up and salute. We'll always recognize when we see old glory flying. Welcome back to Good Things. You don't forget you can watch us on computer, your mobile device. Just head on over to Super Talk TV. Don't forget to our Super Talk Mississippi news team is covering your Mississippi stories. So stay up to date and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. You can do that over at supertalk.fm slash newsletter. We're continuing our conversation with my friend, Gary Bachman, who is also a prostate cancer survivor, and he's using his story to not only bring awareness, but to raise some funds uh, to help with the research. So, Gary, I think this is cool. It also gets you out and get you moving. So tell us about the September challenge that people can see on the t-shirt you're wearing over at Super Talk oh, TV. Sure, um, Rebecca. I'm participating in the Prostate Cancer Foundation. This is the second year of the 108-mile challenge of raising money for prostate cancer research and awareness. And 100, 108 miles is kind of a funny number, but, but it represents that one eight men will be diagnosed with prostate cancer in their lifetime. And, you know, breast cancer gets all the press, and there's not many folks talk about prostate cancer, but in 2023, the Cancer Institute has reported that breast cancer deaths have numbered 300,000, prostate cancer deaths have numbered 280. So that I mean, so so comparative wise, the death rate is very is very similar, but we don't talk about it. And that's because sometimes men don't like talking about their business. And I think it's great that you are being willing (laughs) to sort of share your experience or share as much of it as, uh, you know, as you feel comfortable, but also, you know, encouraging us to talk about it more, because I think, you know, that is something that needs to be done. You mentioned, so you are a survivor. Just share a little bit about your story, Gary, of of, um, finding out you had it and then the, you know, the battle to reclaim your health. Sure. Um, one of the thing, one of the tests that men, that men don't get regularly are as a PSA, the prostate antigen, what what are the um, pro- prostate cell antigen, but it but it me- it measures the health of your prostate, and I kind of look at it as like the check engine light for men. When when you see changes in your PSA numbers, and it's time it's time to go to go get that checked out. And I, I have been, I'm 68, I have been having my PSA checked since I've been 50, and we noticed that I had a tripling of my PSA numbers over 18 months, which was a, a sign that we had to go check it out. And so I went to my urologist, and we did, we did, we did all the, the tests, including the, the digital exam. It's, you know, this is just stuff I've learned to talk about, be very public with, and found out that I needed to have a biopsy, and I had the biopsy, and lo and behold, I was one of the one in eight, so... And when you get that but, kind of news, I mean, it's it's devastating. And, you know, the piece to this is I'm so encouraged, Gary, that you knew what to look for and that you were keeping up with your wellness visits or keeping up with your annuals or, or whatever. Yeah, so many would yeah. rather just not know than the, from the fear of, like, you know, hearing it. But that's not right. Like it's it's, you know, with prostate cancer, like breast cancer and so many others, especially colon cancer, if caught yeah. early. 
in the very beginning, you you significantly increase your chances of sticking around a whole lot longer and beating the disease. So, you know, knowledge is power, even though if the if what they what you hear is scary. Right now, and prostate cancer is one of the slower growing cancers. And folks, you know, have told me when I was telling folks about it. Well, if you're going to get cancer, that's the one to get. And it's like, well, that's great to talk about it until it's your diagnosis. And then it's like, what the hell is going on here? Right. Sorry about that. No, that's you okay. know, <laughs> I, we but, concur. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 went ahead and I had some surgery last year. Um, there, there's other, there's other treatment options. There's radiation. There's hormone therapies that can be done. So, so there's a lot of choices once a, you know once a man has that diagnosis, and and then it's about becoming educated. There's all kinds of resources, books that are out there, and you have time to read and talk to other men and talk to you know healthcare professionals and look at the options, and and then you decide what. The best option is for you. There's not one one size fits all. No, not at all. And, and it and it's something that that you work with your significant other because affected too. You definitely should, and then also too again, yeah. just making sure that annual visit with your healthcare provider is just so important. And right. I know a right. lot of uh, the ladies listening, this would be a great time to be, you know, encouraged just to ask those men in your life that matter to you. When's the last? Do you know your PSA? And if they look at you like deer in headlights and say, "We got to fix that," um, especially if yeah. you are over, you know, uh, a mature enough age, especially over fifty, certainly over, you right. know, sixty, you d- you definitely need to know those. I want to know about this. 108 miles, though, that stands for one in eight men will get diagnosed with prostate yeah, cancer. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. walking, running, biking. How are you yeah. How are you getting in this 108? It's, um, well, I, I don't bike and I don't run, and so, so it's all walking. And right now I am at 55 miles and we're 11 days in, so I, I, think, I think I've got this. But, but, but I'm raising money and make donations to... You know, to my prostate, you know, my prostate um, cancer foundation page, or just prostate cancer foundation can make um, donations there. Um, they have a board member who's matching dollar for dollar up to the first hundred twenty-five thousand dollars that are that are pledged. So, I mean, that 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 that's what that's what's going on. So, I'm. Um, Walking, I'm treadmilling. Um, yeah, this is this is what I'm doing. I mean, it's it's things I do already, which is so good it, for it, your health and good for your prostate. Yeah. I was trying to do the math. Math is hard, but there's 30 <laughs> days I think in uh, September. So if you divide that into a hundred, just a hundred, you're like three miles ish a day. Is that what you're kind of averaging, or are you going more right, and taking right. rest days? Well, that's what you have to do. Right now, I'm over five a day. Okay. Yeah, that, that's my that's my nor, that's my normal walking around pace. Well, I well that's great. You get two thumbs up from me for for that. But I think it's it's doable. If people even just want to do the challenge, if they want to learn more about it, Gary, where did they go? You mentioned you're just your Facebook page. You can go to my Facebook page, or you can go to the Prostate Cancer Foundation um, um, webpage and and learn more about the um, 108 mile challenge. And then talk to your health care provider, correct? Yeah. 
Absolutely. I had a good friend at another university who his doctor never addressed PSA, and he ended up having stage four um, prostate cancer and surgery, and it was in remission, and then it came back with a vengeance, and he just passed away um, this year. And so, so it's important. So here's a very educated person that didn't know this. And it's, and it's one of these things, like you said, that, that men don't talk about getting up in their business. So, And you don't have to get everybody up in their business, but you need at least to have <laughs> some, like, not everybody's called to share it all like sometimes we are, Gary, um, that just feel comfortable. But hopefully you right. can be the voice of reason for someone who has put off that or maybe has had the nagging wife and it's finally like, here's your burning bush, you need to go and do it. Um, and right. have that scene about because, you know, yeah. information yeah. is key and putting your head, like I mentioned, in the sand isn't going to to get away. And you would feel you would feel I would imagine it would feel worse to get a diagnosis that could have been prevented had you just done the things you were told to oh, do. Oh, oh, my gosh. Years you know, before the PSA, the PSA test, is just a blood test. Right. And then, and then and then you just watch the numbers. And like I said, I consider it like the check engine light for men. You, you do not ignore that check engine light. Did you go to your urologist for that, or can your pri- or did your primary care set you up? I'm just curious for those who may listen and go, oh, well, oh. who do I call? It was my primary care um, on my yearly physical with the blood work. But like I said, we've been doing my PSA since I was 50 for almost 20 years now, and then we saw the the um, acceleration of the um, of the increases, and, that, and that's what that's what um, initiated the the whole biopsies and, and, and all that. And, and and probably and definitely saved your life and put you here many more years to talk about the things you love, which is your gardening, your planting, your community, and cooking, well, and all the things. Well, hopefully, now that I'm retired, I'm having way more fun doing all that stuff, too. And I want to I want to be around a long time and still do that. That's for sure. I do not call what you're doing retirement. You have been staying busy, <laughs> bud. You may just not be getting a paycheck anymore, but you are far from retired. And I love it. And I appreciate you every time I, I ask, you jump. So thank you. Uh, it's, it's not a problem. It's my pleasure. Anytime, you know, I'll, I'll answer the call. All righty. You guys stick with us. we got more good things for you coming up next. Where were you when the world stopped turning? That September day. Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi.
heroes proved. In Welcome back to Good Things. Don't forget, we are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app. You can always find us, too, on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station, and you can watch us. We are on your computer or your mobile device. All you got to do is go over to Supertalk TV. Empower Mississippi's third annual policy summit at the two museum, two Mississippi museums, is coming up Thursday. It brings together state leaders, policy experts for a solution-centered discussion on how to tackle our biggest challenges and help all Mississippians rise. And Middays with Jar Gibbert is going to be there on Thursday talking to state and national policy experts about education, the economy and criminal justice. So you can go to empowerms.org and get your tickets today. You can also catch it too here on uh, Super Talk from 10 to 1. Why Gerard is there. We're only a month away, actually a little less than a month away from the 164th Mississippi State Fair, which is crazy to think. It will be held October the 5th through the 15th if you want to go ahead and make your plans for that. But September kicks off, I guess, fair season around the country where you have some of your great big fairs on midways all across the Midwest and beyond. And they got some interesting traditions, There's, <laughs> which I, I was reading through them and we'll go through some of them, but I came across. So we are not the only ones with big yellow slides or giant slides. So oh, I don't no. know how that came to be like part of the fair. I guess back in 1968, like the one in Wisconsin they have here uh, in Minnesota is being the largest. And I was like, it's five stories tall. So I was like, let me go do my research. So the one on the midway for Mississippi, we're about 40 feet tall, which puts that one about 10 to Maybe 20 feet um, taller than ours, depending a little bit, depending. I don't know their exact um, whatever it would be. And they have a 170 foot long sort of track whenever you come down it. So it is a little taller, but not like twice as tall or anything like that. So I feel like ours don't get as get the props that it that it should. But that is definitely an unusual tradition that you will find only at our state fair as well as i would think the biscuits is probably another one i was trying to think of like traditions that our fair has that have been going on for as long ish as the actual fair has been Um, but we'd have to get andy gibson or somebody else in to sort of share that i do know we don't have some of these now we have the uh, livestock shows and all of the things that are really cool and they do have blue ribbon um, agriculture things for growing, but I don't know of us having like giant, um, cabbage way offs like they do in Alaska, which mm, I think would no. be really fun. You know, if it was timed right, watermelon would be the best sort of thing for us to have at the fair in terms of like giant. I just remember, uh, hearing our watermelon grower that joined us talk about how his largest one was, but in Alaska, they have they include their giant cabbage way off and it's got prize packages of up to like two grand on if you can grow the largest cabbage. And in 2012, the giant cabbage way off set a world record with a cabbage that weighed 138.25 pounds. That's a big cabbage. That is a big cabbage. It's a whole lot of slaw. Peter Rabbit would be so excited to get his hands on 140 pounds worth of worth of cabbage. 
One of the others that come out around State Fair, I think we've talked about this one before in Ohio, is the Butter Cows, where they make... Yeah, there's a lot in the, the Midwest that, that do the Butter Cow, and I actually saw something that might spoil the fun, so I'll, I'll save that till you're done. No, 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 go ahead, spoil it. So the that- Butter Cows, I think it was the Iowa State Fair that had the infamous one this year that was so mm-hmm. big. And we were thinking you couldn't do that in Mississippi because it would just melt into a puddle of melted uh-huh. butter. Correct. Well, come to find out, the whole cow's not butter. <gasps> I feel cheated. They make a chicken wire frame and then slap the butter on top of that and sculpt it into a cow. Two things out of that. One, okay, so they are human. That makes me feel a little better about just the fact that it's not. But that's like saying a sandcastle is not a sandcastle. But a sandcastle is made pretty much of completely of sand, whereas the right. butter cow, like I get it, in order to make the shape of a cow and for it to stand up, the, the weight of that much butter would crush the butter legs. But, yeah, it was a bit demoralizing to see the footage of them scraping butter off of a wire mesh frame when they were done with the fair. It's a little gross. Do we reuse the wire every year? need to know that. I get it. Okay. So, I well, you know, if you look at some chocolate, so I guess it's buttered sculpture. It never said solid butter right. sculpture. So there, it was just the illusion that it was all that way, kind of like they do with chocolate. Or you see some um, cake artists who use uh, Rice Krispie treats or other faux things for it to then sort of look how it's supposed to best look. I guess. I mean, I'll let it slide, but I ain't happy about it. I can't, you know, and you do. You feel like you got duped. You feel like it was supposed to be this 800-pound Bessie of nothing but milk and butter. butter. Churned butter. I mean, but, hey, at least they at least they were honest, sore, I guess sort of about it. Someone said Malone Taffy would be another uh, unique tradition that we had here at our at our Mississippi State Fair, which I think is, um, yeah, I don't know if anybody else has has that taffy. Thinking of making things though into something that they're not, we've had him here on um, Good Things before. The Cake Goat uh, Cortarius. He, if you've been over to the Good Things Facebook group, he has recently done a prank to his old co-worker at Dollar General, and it was a success. And so you have to go over there to sort of see the video. But, you know, he was on Netflix's Is It Cake 2, which is where they do create all of these things out of real cake, edible cake. I don't think he uses anything um, trickery like they did with the – I'm, I'm just going to be bitter about the butter cow. Um, anyway, so he goes in, and he has made a um, – cake that looks like a can of icing that's been busted now it's all cake but he's going in taking it into dollar general and putting it down wanting asking for a return and it goes through the whole thing you'll have to go and look at it it was it was cute that they well they fell for it just go look at the video it might have been his masterpiece he does a great job on on recreating the realism of an object when he's making a cake to look like that object but i think he took it up Several notches with this one. It's I, the right I saw size? it on his Instagram, yeah. It looked, I literally, I, I had to sit there and use the little pinch zoom and zoom in on it on Instagram because I could have swore it looked like he got the wrapper off of a, a jar of icing and put that around his cake. But no, the wrapper that he made 
is edible. He made that. And he goes in and he puts it down. He has a receipt, a fake receipt, or maybe he really bought icing and it is a receipt for icing. And she goes and she recognizes like this is, and you can tell like she's calling, making sure that she can give the the refund. And then he picks it up and he takes a big bite out of it and their faces are like, wow, you know, whoa. And so it was a really cool sort of moment and goes to show to his incredible talent when it comes to a cake artist. Um, But it's over on the Good Things Facebook group if you want to see it there. If you want to see it on his channels and support him, he's he's a great Mississippian out of the Delta doing good things with his uh, gifts and talents. It's duh, not the, D-A, duh. Cake goat uh, to follow him um, there. You know that was I sent this I sent something to you too, Rhino, talking about pranks. You wish pranks would go back to not being where someone gets hurt or totally terrified, where it's just innocent and sort of funny. And back when they would do those, um, what do you call them? Kind of videos, gotcha videos, or just it was more like candid camera, candid cameras, and the one where. They're in the. They go into the Porter John and they completely change their surroundings. So imagine going into a Porter John and then coming out, and you're not where you like. You've been teleported to somewhere. You open the the Porter John door and you walk into a boardroom with a meeting going on. It's like, hang on, I just this wasn't here when I went in, and it's I don't know where. You know, nobody had to get terrified or hurt or anything like that for a good prank so i like almost cracked a rib laughing at the video you sent of the the kid trying to it's a it's a kid wearing a race number and a police officer and the kid is running up towards the victim and the police officer is chasing him so it looks like a, a police officer trying to run down a kid that maybe like i don't know like stole a toothbrush at the, at the store mm-hmm. like in home alone or whatever and the the victim's like okay yeah yeah hang on kid what what are you doing meanwhile behind them they've got a finish line set up with police officers and kids all wearing the racing number so that when the police officer runs by instead of apprehending the kid the victim then turns around and sees the finish lining oh no no go 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 See, those kinds of things are just fun. They make your day too. They make you smile, which was we are hoping to do. So stick with us. We got more coming up next. Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten? Upbeat, positive, and stories that make you smile. This is Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Back to good things. Don't forget, you can catch us. We are on computer, your mobile device. Just head on over to Super Talk TV. And I concur with Jeff M. Bonatok on the Ceasefire text line, who says, Kudos to Rhino for doing a job well done with all the bumper music that is paying respects to the fact that it is 9 11 today. May we never forget, man, 22 years has passed by fast and then slow for some families. And I was a senior in high school. 
I remember exactly what I was wearing, the day that it was, and all, I think it's one of those days that you just, if you were in it and old enough, you just truly never, it's hard to forget, and it's hard oh, yeah. to forget. It's the weird things that you remember, remember all the small details about where you heard it or how it all unfolded or when you realized it wasn't just an over-exaggeration, and this is back before you know, Twitter and Facebook and, I mean, the fastest thing that was moving was text messages of trying to get to family members and um, and all of that. My closest connection to anyone at any of the two places was a, f- um, a fellow classmate whose dad was at, worked at the Pentagon, and he was there on uh, official business and just remembering how big the world felt in terms of what it was being impacted, but then it came down to a face of one, you know, one person, because being in Terry, Mississippi, you weren't being a- like affected by it, but you were connected to it by all, at that moment by all the all the other people. So that would made you what junior? I was a sophomore. Sophomore in high school. You was history class, right? It was. We've we have we have remembered for seven. years. I mean, that's one story that just doesn't change, right? I mean, it's it's ingrained in our. Although, as in much as I try, I still for the life of me cannot remember what I was wearing that day. I had on a black skirt, pencil skirt with a blue and white top, and I had a little belt, and I had these really uncomfortable non-West shoes that were a little strappy kind that I regretted wearing by the time I got to, like, first or second period that morning because they were uncomfortable. But we were doing ballots for homecoming uh, court, and so I had the great pleasure of being on the court – I mean, being on the ballot that year. So it's just always the crazy things that you remember 22 years later. And it was English class for me, the the – when we got the news and that when you had TVs hanging in the corner of the, the, the little not for flat channel one. for channel one it's not and then it's just you know and it's it's times like that too where you had such limited I guess um, sources for information that just about everybody at least in the school systems in America were getting the same exact they were you were getting the same exact information at the same exact time you were watching the same exact newscast you were also connected in a way that you had never been before with students around the same age with the same because um, the internet was around at that point but oh, it was but still not. early days yeah and not everybody had access to it right and it wasn't a requirement um sort of for school but may we never forget 22 22 years later a little change of subject i know you're a big star wars fan a bit would you like some memorabilia maybe i think you can conjure up some coins to get this <laughs> do you when i say because i have no idea long lost x-wing model does that mean anything to you uh vaguely well, i feel like it may be from industrial light and magic back in the day where things weren't necessarily as cataloged or as kept for posterity as they are now star wars episode is it six if the ones in front of the the five if the one is in front, if it comes before, it's four. If okay, it comes so after, it's that's six. right. Okay, so four. A New Hope. I should have just told you that. Yeah, that's was the first found one. in collection of the late miniature designer Greg Jean and is up for auction with an opening bid of four hundred thousand dollars. Only four hundred thousand dollars. And it's the little pointy thing with the wings that shoot out things. Oh yeah. Oh, you knew what it was. Yeah. Okay, so somebody. <laughs> it's the same style fighter that Luke flew to destroy the Death Star. It's Spoiler known alert, as the missing X-Wing. 
until it was found. So it is no longer missing. It's the prodigal X-Wing. It has returned to the memorabilia fleet. It'll probably wind up in the collection of what's-his-face, the guy that has the world's largest Star Wars collection, where his house is like a whole museum with just rows and rows and shelves of stuff. He'll probably wind up being the winning bid. It is a 1 to 24 scale of what the, I guess, the it was supposed to sort yeah. of sort of be. I mean, that's how they shot all those special effects shots of the space battles and the Death Star trench run and all that kind of stuff was miniatures. They, they literally went to the hobby store, bought a whole bunch of battleship sets and stuff, and tore all those pieces apart and put it back together in a different way. And that's why it... it it looks so good. It's because they spent time and energy and effort in making it instead of just clicking ones and zeros on a computer screen. If you would like to talk to the bank to see if it's possible, the auction begins October 14th and 15th. So you got a few days to move some money around from your offshore accounts. Line up some meetings. <laughs> turn in hey, that, Mr. Banker. Turn in that Bitcoin. It's a whatever, real investment, I swear. Whatever it is that you, that you need to do if you need to add that to your collection. All right, stick with us. we got more for you coming up next. you got the boys with Sports Talk from 3 to 6. Rhino and I will meet you back here tomorrow at 2. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.